You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jack, I think it's a good one today, man. This is a great one. From the... Okay, so we're both Muni, Muni veterans. You... Uh-huh. You more so than I. I mean, you grew up there. Totally. Uh, you were born at the Muni. I think you were kind of delivered on the West platform, I think was the story. East, but huh? Okay, fair. Fair, fair, fair. Um, now, we both have worked with Michael Baxter, who, it, as a performer, I had the pleasure of auditioning with him, which we get into a little bit in this uh, in this podcast. And the dude was always on his leg. Never oh, missed it. And he... I think there there's something so fantastic about him. When I was there at the Muni for Newsies, he was the director of the Muni Teens, and uh, he has since kind of you know ascended to uh, artistic associate. Mm-hmm. And I think watching him with these like aspiring teens, I saw like how good this guy is like as a mentor, and he's just he's got such good things to say, and he's just he will inspire you when you talk to him. So inspiring, and also just the most like compassionate person i feel like whenever i talk to him it's just so warm and he just gets you and like he he can relate to you and is there for you at all times but the thing i love also about michael's journey is that he went from you know growing up at a studio dancing went to school did the performing route and he's still a performer of course he's never done like we said always on his leg of course but then transitioned to his time at the at the Muni, going from a performer to the resident choreographer to the artistic associate now, which is incredible, incredible. So watching a journey of a performer go transition to the choreographer slash artistic side, I think he is the perfect example and also the perfect example of someone to watch and to follow that path with the leading with kindness, the, you know, just the research behind everything he does that it is so honest and he knows what he's talking about. So knowledgeable. Um, I, I, he's just one of the greatest people ever. He's so awesome. And performing with him is the best times always fun to goof around with. And um, yeah, this is, this is a really great and inspiring and knowledgeable interview. Couldn't agree more, man. You want to start it again from the top? Oh yeah. Again from the top. Here we go. From the top. A five, six, seven, eight. Michael Baxter, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is so exciting. We're so happy to have you. Um, 
This is so great. I'm so excited that you're here. You know, our podcast, as I explained a little bit to you and your ask to even being here, um, just about kind of like why Brendan and I are doing this, right? We're we're sharing the you know, love of dance and the journey of dance through all types of performers, all types of creative people, just to kind of help share the the path that people can relate to. There's a lot of people out there who want to do what we're doing, whether it's a performer, a musical arranger, a choreographer, anything like that. And just kind of shedding the light on it's possible and that people have some journeys like like just like you. So will you start us from your first ever five, six, seven, eight? Will you take us again from the top of Michael Baxter and just kind of like, where, where did it all start for you? Cause you have an incredible journey. Like, I mean, I'm not going to tell your story, but starting from a performer, now you are the, excuse me, if I get this wrong, the art artistic associate of the Muni now. That is correct, so yeah. I mean, big deal y'all big deal. It's a huge deal. And <laughs> And it's been crazy, and we'll get into it more. There's so much to talk about, but it's been crazy to have been an outside perspective on that whole journey and transition through your time at the Muni. So will you take us back to your your first ever five, six, seven, eight, and kind of like how we got to the artistic associate of the Muni? Absolutely. You're cracking me up, and I love this. And you were there when I started at the Muni. My very yeah. first summer, Jack was there. So we will get to that. Um, and I'm honored to be included in this. Thank you so much. So my first five, six, seven, eight, it did not start well for me with dance. I was, I, I, it all started with music. I loved singing. I joined the community theater as an actor and was not athletic whatsoever. I, you know, tried sports, tried swimming, tried soccer, tried baseball and miserably failed. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until um, my mom and my grandma Connie pushed me into dance class when I was in the fifth grade. And they threw me in the deep end. They were like, all right, go. Two dance classes on a Wednesday. And my first dance class was an intermediate hip hop class. And then I, two weeks into that, I was like, what's happening in that room next door before this class? Because a couple of the dancers in my class were coming from that class. It was an intermediate jazz class with Mr. Bill. And my very first jazz class um, led to my very first hip hop class. And then immediately it just took off. Hmm. Dance became my passion from not being athletic at all there was immediately this visceral and instinctual shift in me that it became my passion, my power, and then now my purpose. Um, And I'm I'm so grateful to have dance be a part of my vocation. And it all was just because somebody threw me in the deep end of take a class, see if you'll like it. Mm -hmm. I, I guess taking one step back, my sister danced. So it was uh-huh. a, a little bit of a chorus line in the fact that I went to the recital and mm-hmm. watched my sister take her tap and tumbling class. And I thought, well, maybe I can do that. And then the next year was just thrown into it. There's no other way to say, I mean, to, to, you can't just, I can do that. I mean, you have to, <laughs> has to be said, right? It has to be yeah. said. Yeah. There's no so, other way. And then it just took off. I love that your first class was a, a hip hop class just because, <laughs> yes. just because knowing you, I mean, listen, you can get down with the best of them. Truly. Hell yeah. Like give Michael Baxter any style. That's going to be fine. But 
it's just funny because I know how pulled up you are and how like perfectly trained and all the technique is there that just like knowing that it started from hip hop class is so brilliant. It's so brilliant. It's so funny because I'm a musical theater and ballet baby all the way. But the very first class was a hip hop class. Though two weeks in, I was smart enough to know what's going on in that room 45 minutes before this class. They seem to be having more fun. And um, I, I wanted to participate. And it really was, you know, um, my very first mentor, uh, Bill, Bill Langley. Um, Deborah Grusa, my dance teachers, who, you know, sort of threw me in the deep end and here I am. So when did, I mean, so you, you, you get the dance bug, right? You start performing, yeah. you're doing all this thing. Can you take us through a little bit when you're performing? Cause I, I, I'm working with you a little bit at the Muni, uh, cause we did newsies together. Um, but what is, what is the feeling like? Cause I know you've worked with the, the Muni teens so much and pretty much become this mentor for all of these aspiring kids and I'm, I'm sure jack has been one of them um Absolutely. but what so where where in what point because this it's this weird thing that i'm kind of like feeling as well when did this shift happen of you know what i really like this mentor feeling and passing the torch and almost like becoming educator from performer when did that shift happen and how did you feel it kind of as it was, or was it like a definitive, ah, this is what I was meant to do? I think I would have to continue the journey from the, from the very first five, six, seven, eight to answer that. Sure. I think innately it was always there. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a part of the building of the piece. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a part of devising and cultivating what the dance was. And I remember that from a very uh, young age, 10 years old, I was just sort of it sort of took off. And from there, like, um, I started doing more dance and musicals. I started to incorporate all three of them together. And of course had the high school bug and then decided to go on this crazy business called musical theater with a BFA degree at a school. And that idea of mentorship had always been a part of my journey because I had excellent mentors and I followed their concepts their beliefs and their rules that they established that innately became part of me. And I'm really honored to say that I've had many great mentors along the way. So to answer your question more specifically, I feel like it was always a part of me, but it wasn't until I got to St. Louis, until I got to Webster Conservatory of Theater Arts um, with uh, Byron Grant, where I really felt the power of mentorship where I knew that um, the head of the musical theater program was taking me under his wing and grooming me and helping me become a better teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, his guidance, his pedagogical approach, his um, dramatic approach to the work has been the foundation of everything that I believe in. He left midway through my collegiate training and Lara Teeter came on board and Lara, who is who has been an incredible mentor to me? Who I'm, I'm looking at Jack because he also knows Lara very well, um, <laughs> being in St. Louis and has trained with him. He a, another mentor had taken me under his wing in a completely different way, and had refocused my dancing. Had you know really helped me uh, become grounded as a, a tap dancer and elevate my ballet skills. And he was the first person to say, "Why don't you choreograph?" Why don't you and Dan, my, my colleague and my uh, cohort at the time, 
um, go in the other room and choreograph his scene. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And of course I said, sure, yes. Mm -hmm. And that was the very first thing I choreographed in college. And one thing led to another and you just like start loving it. So he was the first person to say, I want you to choreograph something. And going back to mentorship, it sort of just, again, took, took somebody to say, go, right. do it. Totally. And my whole mantra because of Lara is fear is pointless. You yeah. got to get it out of the way really early. And he was the one that absolutely said, go, you can do this. I see this in you. And that's when I started to realize innately I could do that. And I think leading, I think building, I think directing, choreographing sort of leads to that mentorship, which, you know, fast forward a couple of years, Lara is the one who brought me to the Muni in 2012. He was directing and choreographing Joseph, and he had asked me to come on board to be in the show as well as his dance captain and assist with the choreography. And you could say the rest is history, but I, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what happened from that phone call started my, uh, my new Muni connection. I performed at the Muni as a performer in 2008, 2009, uh, when I was in college, 2012, I was brought back to run the auditions that year when the Muni went through an artistic change with Mike Isaacson coming on board as the artistic director and executive producer. I was running the dance call. It all started for me with a first dance in the audition, <laughs> running the dance call. And I was running the second room where I was always demonstrating teaching before they went in the big room, which has always been sort of the new um, Muni audition way, which I have still kept up. <laughs> and um, two days, you know, on the second day in the middle of that Sunday, Mike Isaacson pulls me aside and says, who are you? <laughs> and I, it, literally it was like that question of who are you? You're fantastic. I'm creating this position of resident choreographer. I've been watching the way that you work, the way that you communicate, the way that you are a mentor and a teacher in the room, the way that you not only can um, deliver as a performer, but also are very clear and insightful in your communication with others. And of course, kind, I'm creating this position of resident choreographer. Um, I have this list of other people, but I would love for you to do it. That was January, 2012. And I, at first I was like, all right, what is it? We'll figure it out. Truly. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, we'll figure it out. Excellent. All right, let's talk in a week after these auditions settle. And um, then I became the director and choreographer of the teens. And my first season as the resident choreographer at the Muni was the summer of 2012, Mike Isaacson's first season. Wow. And I mean, truly the rest is history because you've now you've been there for this is coming up on. So that would make it nine, 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 nine straight as, seasons wow. yeah. Yeah. as as resident choreographer for the for the teens and now moving up to your new position of. Yes. Artistic associate. Oh my so I was God. the resident I, I, choreographer for eight seasons, seven years. And then in 2018, I was appointed artistic associate, which was. You know, we'll probably get into this a little bit later, which I'm so grateful to the Muni. I mean, it's still going back to 2008, 2009 when I was a performer there. So I also like count those in there, but just consecutively now nine years, 2012, um, has been a launching pad and a foundation again for mentorship. Getting back to your point, Brendan, uh, about who has helped you along the way. Truth. I have been very grateful for those people that have said, you, 
look, go. <laughs> well, and also, and, and to speak to your tenacity to then say, okay, it's just a quick like, yes, we will figure it out. Don't yeah. know what this means, but we're going to find out and figure it out together. And I think that speaks to the kind of determination and having such great mentors where fear is pointless. So mm -hmm. why am I going to be afraid? It's a new thing. Why not just tackle it? And so I think that that is absolutely coming from those mentorships and has helped shape you as a mentor, which I think is fantastic. I have yeah, to take a couple steps back and just acknowledge all of the teachers along the way, because what's interesting about the journey is I, I fell in love with dance and I cultivated that and it became a, a, a really strict curious curiosity and discipline for me that I mm -hmm. wanted to continue. And I kept it up throughout all of that, constantly taking class, constantly wanting to improve and uh, invest in it and get better and better. So I sort of skipped some of the chapters of the journey as we're talking, but there was a lot of training and a lot of performing that took place in those years in between. Hell yeah. And I think I have a side note and I could be totally wrong, but Michael, I got to remember we auditioned together, I think like in the same time kind of coming up. Yeah. Um, and I got, I remember this name, Michael Baxter, and I remember this dude so on his leg, turning like a madman. And you said, said, as soon as you said 2008, 2009, and I'm like, I remember now. So did you audition for the Muni in St. Louis on the stage? I think it was 2008. Mm -hmm. Okay, Absolutely. so I took I took quick little science story. <laughs> I took a 13-hour drive from Syracuse because I was going to Syracuse University at the time, and we all drove down in our in our drove, and <laughs> and I remember just like seeing all these people in this high school in St. Louis, and like this is like the audition, and I remember feeling this whole thing, and I remember specifically Michael Baxter. <laughs> I'm like, this dude's going to hook this. This guy's got it in a second. And then come to find out when I worked there much later, and then you were running the entire teen program and now artistic associate. I'm like, wait, this is the same guy. Oh, well, you came on the good year. So there were two years that I auditioned. I was <laughs> that I didn't book. Okay, I have to. So yes, dance has been my life and it is, it is the great unifier for me. It is passion. It is like yeah. music personified. But why my first Muni audition when I was a freshman? Why did I go to the singer call? I felt like I, I don't know what was going on in my head at the time. But yeah, sure, I'll go to the singer call. I'm a serious actor after all. They'll see that I can sing and they can act and then they'll want to call me back to dance. And then you're going to sweep the floor with them. Did yes. it book it. You know, like you sing and they're like, thank you. <laughs> you know, oh Michael Horsley, thank you. We had no, you know, no relationship at the time. Then the next year I went back as a dancer and did much better. Still didn't book it. And then um, my, my junior year I did. I certainly remember that. I, I just, I, spiky blonde hair, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. Like an elephant, this one. This like an one, elephant. This one, bringing up the past. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring it right. I was like, I know this. Yeah. You can't forget Michael Baxter. Can I? <laughs> I'm you telling can't. you, there is such an imprinted memory of just 
the cleanest triple turn I've ever seen in my life as like a college student. I was like, he's never done this. This guy's (laughs) got it. This guy's got it. I'm packing my bags right now. Uh, You know, you you talk about people being on their leg or their strengths or, you know, some dancers leap, some dancers have style. I was like, I was a turner. Hell yeah. That was my thing. Until I met Jack Sipple. This guy. This This guy guy can turn. A center of the gods. To second what Mike Isaacson said, I mean, talk about someone who's truly on his game, always like leading with the best positive mindset, always thinking about other people and the design of what is happening. And like we like we said at the very beginning, definitely someone who I have always looked up to and have always asked questions to. He's always been there to answer my questions. I'm always like, so how do you so then when do you so what if you did that? And like just constant um and my ears are always on around this person too, because there's always that something that's going to come out of his mouth that is just like a new way of thinking. So, I hope the advice was good. <laughs> oh, I mean, totally. <laughs> just like talking about doing, whether it was me as a muni teen watching you in the shows and being a part of that rehearsal process, or as an actual muni teen working with you on the on the touring show, that creative process was such a great learning atmosphere for me in the sense of not just being a performer, but on the creative side of like, how is this put together? And it's such a different type of show too. You have like 20, 25 minutes of how many songs can we cram in this puppy to get people excited to sit down for two and a half hours. So it's an, it's a new idea and it's just a new way of thinking. So there was always something to learn with you there. So Thank you for all of that. Um, but I, I love the journey in the sense of, you know, grew up in a studio, taking class, was inspired, continued that ride. You hopped on the train, went to school, still riding. Like you said, there was that gap of you were still performing in New York, touring all all the amazing things. And then it led you back to the Muni for this amazing transition here. So when you think about moving forward out of that performance step i guess you're not you're never done performing because you still got that triple turn so (laughs) moving forward what is something you take with you um into the choreography world as a performer like now when you're setting shows and you're thinking creatively about whether it's you choreographing a show or just designing a show helping someone create that vision what is something you bring forward from your performance background to help that's a a great question and i think I think it sort of goes back to like the fundamentals of those auditions, Brendan, that we experienced, you know, the, and if you, you, if you actually sort of break down um, what a choreographer, a director, a casting director behind the table is looking for, they have an idea of what uh, a role, a dancer, a, a scene in a show could be. And ultimately it's the performer's job to demonstrate to them what it should be. Um, and that's that's where it really launches. So the number one thing that I carry with me from performance to choreography is confidence in storytelling. Mm. And I, I, I think having a point of view, having a discernible point of view in the room while you are making those choices that are musical, stylistic, that are appropriate for the moment, have originality, is all why good choreography is based. 
And uh, what I mean by that is it actually is about creating for those original individuals. And I think that has been the biggest thing that has stood out to me. Um, going back to that audition feel of you walk in, you have a lot going on. There's a tremendous amount that is at your disposal, but having the self-awareness that you can be yourself and be at your best, knowing that the people behind the table are also self-aware, wanting to be their best and bring their best for you really is the most important. And I think that really plays its way into telling good stories because that's the community idea, that the community shares the same point of view as the leading player. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hmm. Agreed. Perfect. Agreed. And that truthfulness, I think, is another huge aspect that you bring, too, along with just what you said. I know whenever we would collaborate on ideas, it's always kind of like, why are you doing this? Where is this coming from? It has to connect to something like those types of questions. So leading with that honesty and vulnerability side, I think is another huge thing that you bring to the table as well in uh, any project. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Michael, you, you have a lot of experience, especially with, with teen actors, um, from the Muni who are aspiring performers. I know Jack was once a Muni teen. I know like people like Taylor Louderman were once a Muni teen. And so with these like new aspiring students, and, and I'm sorry if you hear my dog in my background, he's having a grand old time. We love Wally. Howling oh, in the background. Oh, hi, Wally. Just celebrating. <laughs> and just we really- We're here today, Wally. Michael. <laughs> he's really excited. He's practicing his high soprano for you. What's um, that high-pitched voice in the background? Oh, it must be Michael Baxter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have your audition reel playing in the back. That's all. <laughs> yeah. um, Hopefully I'm on my leg. Always. Yeah. Always. No question. Um, with, <laughs> with working with all these teens and like ha- how they have like these very, very huge dreams and like lofty goals of like all the Broadway and all these things, how do you discern between, okay, you have incredibly gifted students and you have had such great mentors in your life and you yourself are a great mentor. Where is it that you see in a student? Is it just through sheer determination? Is it through like, oh, this one's gifted? How do you go about? I mean, because there's there's got to be a different formula. People learn in different ways. What is the way that you kind of approach, I mean, that kind of mentorship in such a vulnerable state of a growing artist? It, it goes back to, I think what's so special about the professionalism of a teenager in St. Louis, that it is, is, it's all based in this theater being in their backyard. 
So I actually have to acknowledge before I can answer the question about any mentorship or pedagogical approach or even just like leadership approach of how I would work with them that I am very fortunate to uh, be working with teenagers who already exist at an extremely high level. And that is all due to the culture of dance, of theater, of having a theater like the Muni in their backyard. So step one is that it's all based into the great teachers and the educators that already exist here. I think what is always very important to uh, discern for me, especially between professional and young professional, is the young professional will actually step up by being challenged because they will want to do better and to do their best for you. There still is a little bit of that element of it's not necessarily um, pleasing, but they know that their training is still being cultivated, that they are still growing, and they are always so willing to say, challenge me. I want the hardest step. I want the highest note. I want the most amount of turns. I want, you know, this incredible... Um, you know, trust to exist at that level. So I had to step up my game as a choreographer, as a director, as a leader, because that is the way that they wanted to be challenged. And when working uh, with talented young people like the Muni teens, you want to watch them evolve and grow. And they can only do that by being challenged. If I played to the middle of the room, then it would stay in the middle. If you play to the top, they continue to grow. And it's very fascinating for me now. I haven't really thought about this until you prompted this question to think of the astronomical growth between 2012 and the students that are um, continuing to come out of the program now because the program has also elevated. So I think that was a, a long-winded answer to your question of I just hold them accountable by challenging them. What I learned, especially like when you, when I got my way to Broadway is like, I challenged myself by, I don't want to say comparing myself to others, but if I held myself accountable, as you said, to that level of performance, there is no other choice, but up, there's no other choice to get better. Okay. So I think that's a very pristine way to answer that. I had the honor to be there with you this summer to do the variety hour specials that the muni put on this summer and you know with all the twists and turns of covid that were brought to us we created a there were two numbers but i'm thinking of the um hairspray song that was put together and i had 18 or so dancers and all of them learned over zoom but exactly what michael's saying is they step up in a way that they know they're they want to challenge themselves to be better so we learned it over zoom and then we showed up a day for a rehearsal one and i had like i think two at a time too because of covid <laughs> michael's like they have to sit one in every section a million feet away from each other and you can work with two at a time like it was something crazy like that but my point is just stepping up to the plate we learned it over zoom had never seen them they have refrigerators next to them. I'm like, and split and jump, like just telling them to do the most tragic things ever in their homes. Right. Yeah. But then we show up and they make it happen. Like the training that has been instilled in them through Michael and the whole team there has just been so incredible. Just they know to turn it on and what it takes to 
you know, take something over the finish line. I think what you're getting at, Jack, and I want to speak about your your work this summer too, but what you're getting at ultimately is trust. Absolutely. And Absolutely. when the, when young people and anybody watching, um, you know, somebody um, who is honest and trustworthy and is guiding you with that generosity of spirit and they are as curious as you are about how it is all going to turn out, you all have to grab hands together. Mm. That is sort of the trial by fire nature of the Muni in general. And why should it be any different for a young person who's 12, 13 than it is for a professional who just traveled uh, from New York City uh, and has been on Broadway and five Broadway shows and is doing the same exact thing? It's all adrenaline and it's trust. And it is epic in nature, but I think laying that groundwork with skilled discipline having somebody say you're capable and then giving them a showcase to demonstrate that is all about trust. That's amazing. And I, and I see it too, kind of from an outsider's perspective, I guess, watching these students also who are under me grow up through that new kind of team that has taken over the Muni. It's been incredible. Well, um, well and may I, may I brag about you for a little bit? Do it. Okay. So this summer, Jack's like, I'm in town. If you need anything, let me know. Jack, come on over to the Muni. I need to talk to you about an idea. And lo and behold, Jack comes in. He's got this awesome, like laid out Hollywood number for how he's going to use the entire back lot. We had known that it was going to be a production number. We were already making lemonade out of lemons. But Jack absolutely stepped up and said, yes, I'm going to do this. He walked me through his whole plan. It was brilliant. And before he could leave, Mike Isaacson was like, well, why don't you do a second number? I mean, that is just the testament. I was like, okay, so I need a drone here. I need Tracy to get me the pyro. I need this, this, this. Like I had my dream list. Cause like, I'm at the Muni. I know they can do whatever the heck they want. And I know where the pyro is. Cause it was supposed to be used this summer. Mary Poppins. Okay. And it's being held. So for, I know for, all that, the Tracy, me the pyro. for all the listeners, there was no pyro in the number. And I know where it's at. So Tracy, right. if you're listening <laughs> next time, right. He um, did that with his dancers. He brought the pyro in with his court. Ah, well said, well said, well said. Very true. Well, it was, it was an amazing variety special you guys put on. It was how many weeks was that again? Six? Well, it was five weeks of the uh, Muni Summer Variety Hour Live. Mm -hmm. And what preceded it was Muni Magic in Your Home, which is actually uh, pre-taped pre um, episodes of our Muni Magic concert series. That's right. Show. That's right. The Sheldon. Oh, my gosh. So Amazing. it was 10 weeks total for our yeah. virtual season. Amazing. All right, Michael Baxter, we have some questions from our listeners who wrote in on our Instagram page and our Twitter Okay. At again underscore podcast. If you're listening, write to us. Um, our first question is from Nicolette. She says, What is your choreography process like? So when you're approaching a new material, or if it's you know, if someone hands you a show at the Muni, say, Hey, we're doing Mary Poppins, Mike Isaacson says, Go. <laughs> research, research, research mm. to Fully understand the language and make your physical movement become a text. That's what I ultimately believe is the, the, the role of the choreographer is that they have to devise and implement the physical score of the piece and to further the story through a manifested physical score that's created with style, music, and bodies in space. 
you can only get to that language and understanding of the heart of that piece by doing loads of research. Mm-hmm. And I, the first step always is becoming familiar with the material. For me, my way in is always music, the albums, music of the time period, music by similar artists. I sometimes even just find something that is absolutely not related to the show, but connected to the time period to get me in the zone. And that all starts with the research. So my first way in is music. Second is, you know, manifesting that music into the score and physicalizing the score and making the language of the script come to life. And I use the script constantly to, to write in notes and um, actually like getting into the paperwork. And then once I feel like I have like the paperwork figured out in paragraph form, those paragraphs have to become physical vocabulary. So for me, my step is always music to text to physical score. Our second question comes from Megan. She says, what are your best tips for memorizing choreography? Repetition. You, you, have, you have to live it um listen and you have to listen with your eyes and your ears and your soul and why your soul is your soul is the tempo your soul is the rhythm dance exists in this time and space so you have to listen with your heart what happens often is people will pick up the steps people will see how it should be but ultimately at its core it has to be in line with what the tempo is so you have to listen with your eyes your ears and your soul Jack, that's the title, by the way. You're writing that down, right? That's the title of this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jack. Oh, my God. Easy. Jack. On your leg. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. I'm just I, It's ingrained. I am it's ingrained. absolutely floored. I told like, you, everyone I, knows it. Everyone <laughs> knows about it. No question. Oh, <laughs> and, um, I, you know, it, auditioning itself is... is the interview, the act, you know, the very first dance. So the more uh, you get into the process of interviewing, auditioning, you know, doing that, um, it becomes easier as well. I used to call it like demystifying the audition setting. I know a lot of people run into an audition and, and Megan, if you're having trouble with kind of like that feeling of anxiety in an audition, you got to know, as, as Michael said before, everyone on the other side is also trying to bring their best. And I know if I go into an audition room and Michael Baxter's either teaching the combination or running the entire room as far as choreographer, I know that that dude on that side is cheering for me to do well. Because if they, you know that they're cheering because they want you to do well, so it makes their job easier too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our last question we have here for you is from Carolyn. And she says, what has been your most creatively fulfilling experience? Wow, that's deep. Thank you, Carolyn, for asking that. You know, in thinking of a quick answer to that has to be what you just did, right? So a huge part of that is I'm talking to Brendan and Jack, who just participated in our holiday video series. So I always sort of look at the last thing. And I have to acknowledge what happened this summer at the Muni where everything was put together and adapted so quickly to what we could do because we couldn't do what we normally meant to do. And um, the creative act of taking our theatrical storytelling online and inviting um, emerging choreographers talent from St. Louis and beyond to come back and make art for these purposes was really fulfilling. 
And I was thrilled by the energy and the tenacity and the way that everybody showed up to say yes for that experience. It was really very moving in a very challenging, trippy time. And it was very, um, like Jack mentioned earlier, it was very difficult to put together safely. And I'm so thankful that it all happened the way that it did. So I have to acknowledge that. And thinking one step further back is Matt Kunkel and I had the great privilege of, again, with adrenaline and the quickest turnaround time ever, choreograph an hour and a half gala performance in three days time for 11,000 people for the Muni's 100th Centennial Gala. Mm -hmm. And that day on the platform, Jack, I don't remember, we were three days into rehearsal. We had two days in New York. We land in St. Louis. We have one uh, designer run day. And then the fourth day, our stars, our luminaries arrive. Cheetah Rivera, Tommy Toon, Heather Headley, Matthew Morrison, Ken Page, Lara Teeter, Jenny Powers, Graham Roy. I mean, it was just Patrick Cassidy. It was just filled to the brim with stars. And that day on that platform, working with um, those Broadway luminaries for the purpose of honoring the Muni Centennial Gala is a memory that I will never forget. Specifically from that day, I will never forget working with Tommy Toon. And we had everything staged within an inch of its life. Like I did not want anything to go without being mentioned. We were on it and the dancers were fantastic, Jack being one of them. And um, we get to Tommy's entrance. And um, I said, you know, I have the step prepared for you, but I ultimately want to leave it free so you can enjoy this moment. He's like, no, I want to make sure that I do your steps for your vision. And it was wow. one of the most memorable moments that I've ever had at the Muni. And I'm so grateful. That Centennial Gala was out of this world. And <laughs> we had Eliza Omen on the podcast. Yes. And we had, we had talked a little bit about it. And just thinking back about how we had that rain delay. And then, of course, the second day, it, it rained again a little bit. And I remember about to enter for one of our numbers. And it was, of course, raining. And I just yelled, this is what we live for. Just because, like, <laughs> all of us... <laughs> because all of us have been in a Muni show. Everyone participating in this gala was, has been in a Muni show. And we all know what happens at the Muni. It's either 90 <laughs> million degrees or it's raining. And there's a lightning streak going through you. Like, So I just remember shouting that. And it was just the most incredible performance ever. It is always like trial by fire. Here you go. <laughs> <Always>. <laughs> I feel like I got like unscathed. I mean, my only Muni experience is Newsies. And yes, the rehearsals were warm. We had the it was perfect, perfect week. Perfect week. And but it was like just a little bit of a breeze. I mean, but we're still sweating everything off. But the I remember so and you have like this Muni magic feeling. And I I didn't understand the Muni magic until I actually performed there. And now I I mean, every single season, I'm like, can I, can I go back? Can I go back? I just, I'll, leave, I'll leave my row show. I want to go back. Go back. Oh. Um, there's this moment of the turntable turning around in the first scene when the newsies get revealed. And I remember the first opening night and I just were rotating. Doom, 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 doom. Like the whole the overture is playing. Ding, 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 ding. And I feel drizzle. <laughs> drizzle. Ding, 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 ding. 
drop, 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 <laughs> drop. And I remember I looked over at like some other people. It was my first Muni show. And I looked over at other people who had done Muni before. And I feel like it was maybe Daryl Tofa. And he like looked down. And he's like, it's going to rain. It's yeah, gonna be I remember fun. like that. I remember that moment specifically. And we were just kind of like, we're not going to stop. So don't mm-hmm. don't expect to stop. We're gonna keep going unless we see, unless lightning hits Michael Horsley in that orchestra pit. We don't stop. Okay. <laughs> and we sure did. We never had a delay. We never had a cancellation, and that was awesome. Oh man, what a great thrilling week that was. Just in general, I mean yeah. that the first of all, just the galvanizing energy of the show itself. But you gentlemen up there doing that Chris Bailey original choreography. Hmm. It was an incredible week. I do not remember the rain, but I remember our tech. Something happened with our tech that we had to delay our tech till the next day and actually finish the show the next day. Tech got majorly rained out. That was the, our, our only right. kind of rain thing. But And then I remember, okay, so we didn't tech any of Act 2. I think we did like the major scaffolding moves, and that's it. And then I remember looking at Jack and be like, hey, so is this, is this normal? I mean, we just don't run until until like it happens. He's like, yeah, it'll be fine. Trust for, me. For your listeners, a, a tech at the Muni is more like a tech through. You yeah. you come on out and you do, you do the major uh, pr- uh, trouble points of the show first, and then you start at the top and you go. And it's everybody learning their show around you at the exact same time in the exact same space. And it's all based on respect and trust. And at that time, Newsies, we had one tech that half of it was rained out. So we had to finish the show the next day (laughs) in the morning. We started at like 10 or 11 in the morning. Yeah, Yeah, it was early. In order to finish it off. Yeah, we we had to finish it off and then go back through for the sweat tech. So it was like we ran it one and a half times. But I remember looking at Brendan and just be like, yeah, they've got it. The department got it. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and, for, and for your listeners, the sweat tech is the orchestra tech. During right. this tech through in the night, we do not have the orchestra. It is still a, a piano tech. So we have to do the sweat tech because it's called orchestra tech and it's called sweat tech or what was at one point called sweat tech. It no longer exists. Was middle of the day in August heat in St. Louis from 1 to 6 p.m. What has happened in the production schedule now is we now have a piano tech in an evening. The next day you have sits probe and an orchestra tech in the evening, which is a new adjustment to the production schedule. I mean, we went from, you know, you would start your run at 1.30 a.m. Because back then the shows were Monday through Sunday. The next one started on Monday. So they would have to take all of that stuff down, move your stuff into the theater, you start at 1.30, you run overnight, they take yours down because the other show has one more performance. And it, it just, I mean, crazy how that for, was ever. For those done. that are listening, that was the infamous Midnight Techs. Yes. Where Tech would actually start at midnight on the oh, show God. that preceded you set. You, like Jack is saying, you don't actually start doing your show until 1.30 in the morning and you finish yep. at 4.30. Oh my God. <laughs> but hey, that Cantina gift card, am I right? That's right. <laughs> that is no longer that is no longer but i i think every muni alumni has a midnight tech story oh man michael baxter this is this is our segment called should have shot it okay. this comes from in our time with the prom movie on netflix meryl streep had an amazing amazing performance that we all saw there was one quick rehearsal for the camera blocking that we were, she was kind of like getting a getting a bit kind of approved by the director. And she's like, "I'll just show you. Just start the music and go." 
and she did the entire end of this entire number of uh, Not About Me and killed it, just lights, camera, everything, and it ends with this huge curtain drop and a blackout. And we all sit there just like, oh, my God. And in the moment of the blackout, Meryl screams, should have shot it. (laughs) And so for us to witness that and nobody recorded anything, the cameras were not on. It was just like our witnessing it. So we want to know, is there a moment in your life, career, anything where you've seen something or experienced something yourself where you're like, oh, did anyone get that on film? Someone should have shot it. Hmm. And does it specifically have to be in the world of choreography? Not at all. It's just in the, in the arts. Okay. Anything, yeah. I think Jack knows where I'm going. It's a muni, muni memory. Oh, no. Yes. It was a Friday night. It was 2014. It was Hello, Dolly. What, I mean, it was absolutely a golden muni moment. It was absolutely epic. <laughs> it's a Friday night. You, nobody's ever, you know, you can, there was, you know, thousands of people in the audience, but it starts pouring down rain. So people started to leave, but thousands of people still stayed to watch this moment. Waiter, waiters gala finishes. Ta-da! And you have the little scene lit. And you're starting to see, you know, people gather in the wings. Umbrellas starting to be popped up. The orchestra members are popping up their umbrellas <laughs> and literally packing up their instruments, getting ready to go because it's pouring down rain. And lo yeah. and behold, you know, there's a two minute little interlude and I was Stanley, and you know you're you're still going. Nobody's calling it. Monica's the stage manager. She's still in the wings. Nobody's Teddy calling. Reagan's it. like, keep going. Yeah, she's here. Yeah, boom! She appears at the top of the stairs. Epic. Should have shot it. And <laughs> <laughs> we go. Boom! Da da na 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 na. Rain, rain, <laughs> rain. It was the most thrilling moment. And what you watch in her eyes as she says, "Yeah, we're doing this." And we all took our cue from Beth. Yeah, we're doing this. We're going. And she came down the stairs. Hello, Rudy. Hello, Danny. Hello, Manny. We're going. Then we're dancing. Then we go out onto the passerelle. We're all holding on for dear life, making sure that (laughs) nobody dared trip because this is a moment, should have shot it, that should be captured (laughs) always. Then the number finishes in great triumph, wild applause, thousands of people like soaking wet, ready to go. And she says, one more time, <laughs> encore. And we did the duck walk one more time. And then finally they called it. It was the most priceless evening as a performer, as a community, as just like a culture of being together, experiencing live theater that should have been captured somehow. I remember telling Brendan about that story. And I was just like, yeah, the, the booms opened after elegance and the rain started and you just felt like the collective sigh from the waiters it just like started then. And we did the whole waiters gallop. And I was like, I was saying I was rolling in puddles for seven minutes. And then Beth comes up bone dry, bone dry. <laughs> it's just like, here I am. And we're just like sloshed over. And then when she comes down and she just stops at me and just like wipes my face for about a minute and a half, not doing any of her steps, not doing any of anything, <laughs> but then yes, one more time. And people are like in the audience, pla- their hair's plastered to their face. Lightning's going across <laughs> the sky. Oh my God. I'll never, and that- yeah, I, w- I played Stanley. So she would always say, lose some weight, Stanley. And she would tap me. And I remember that night, like the tap was like so soaking wet. There's water like spewing off of it. It's one of those like honey, I shrunk the kid raindrops like hitting your stomach. 
you know, and then you asked me what else could I speak about? And I, I have to go back, you know, the theme of our conversation and thank you, Brendan, for acknowledging this and bringing it up, the importance of mentorship. I have to, I have to do a shout out to um, my muni teens throughout the years. Hell yeah. We would get an archival video, but there would be those performances where the cast of Newsies would come and watch them do their thing and they would just eat it up. It was just heroic and brave and strong. And there was this is the reason that these showcases were created. And I always leave those performances thinking, should have shot it. That's exactly that feeling where they're there when you talk about respecting the art, valuing the work, valuing the artists that help get you to where you are. They're in the audience watching you do your thing at that age. And those are all of the moments for every single year. I can think of those performances where you should have shot it. That's amazing. That's a good one. Well, Michael Baxter, thank you so, so much for being here with us. Thank you. What a delightful hour we had, just full of wisdom. I've loved hearing your journey again and learned so much about it and new and a lot of old things like you still got the triple turn chat. <laughs> still got it. Um, oh my God. But truly, thank you for taking the time to do this. This means a lot. Thank you. Thank wow. you. And thank you for everything and Jack and Brendan for all of the great work that you've done for the Muni throughout the years. I'm so grateful to know you and I'm honored to be interviewed by you. I mean, come on, what you accomplished this past summer, Jack Sipple, coming home to support the endeavor and working at your highest possible standard, firing on all cylinders in the middle of a pandemic, making sure that everything was rich and nuanced, 100% safe, working with all of your dancers to make sure that they understood everything via Zoom rehearsals. Zoom rehearsals, everyone, to film what you did was absolutely stunning. It is something that I will absolutely never forget. I'm so proud of you, and I don't feel like I, that means enough mm. for what the moment was. I'm just so glad that we uh, had that moment to do this together. Thank you. So, thank thank you. you. That means a lot. Awesome. I was honored to do that with you. Look at him gush. Look at him I gush know. over here. <laughs> oh, well, Michael, thank you so much. I thank you. Wally in the back, thanks you so much. And I just got to say, like, it's 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 an absolute pleasure to know you, work with you, and I hope we work and see you soon. Oh, yes. Thank you. Hey, it's Brendan. Hey, it's Jack. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to hop on over to our Instagram at again underscore podcast and give us a follow. A like. A comment. A DM. Because we want to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing. Sure. 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 And before you press next to play your next podcast. Hopefully it's us again. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And give us a rating if you love what you're hearing. Again from the top is produced by Dory Berenstein. And Alan Seals. Stay tuned for our next 5678. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.